We're happy to make podcasts available for selected ed webinars for your listening pleasure. If you'd like to receive a CE certificate, you must watch the video recording. Recordings and quizzes can be found in the EdWebinar archives. Please visit home.edweb.net slash podcasts for more information. Welcome back, everyone, to our monthly webinar series on high-impact tutoring. Look, we are thrilled to see so many familiar new faces, familiar and new faces, sorry. Um, we just... We just love having everyone join us on this journey today. This is our third of a series of webinars that add up to an ultimate guide for a successful high-impact tutoring program in your school or district. Now, you can view the previous webinars in the series by scanning the QR code on the screen. The title of this session is Creating Your Own High-Impact Tutoring Masterpiece, From Broad Strokes to Fine Details. Just like in art, the broad strokes lay the foundation, which is what we've been doing in the last few webinars, but it's those fine details that really make your work unique, and that's what we'll be doing today. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar, we're from BookNook. BookNook's synchronous online learning platform is designed to help schools implement high-impact tutoring and improve those reading skills. Guys, BookNook isn't just another tutoring service, and it's definitely not homework help. We've taken the research-backed principles of the science of reading, and we've seamlessly woven those into our program. You can visit us at booknook.com or find us on all social media channels to learn more about our proven solution for reading intervention. And with that... Our presenters today, I'm one. My name's Connie, and I'm so excited to be a part of your learning journey today. Uh, I'm the manager of content marketing at BookNook. I've been with the company for a little over a year now, but I started my career um, over 20 years in public education at the classroom, campus, and district level. And I'm just really excited to be a part of what you're doing um, and learning about today. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Sammy to introduce herself as well. Thanks so much, Connie. My name is Sammy Berman. I'm our Director of Learning and Development here at BookNook, and it is an honor to be here with you today. Um, I have spent my entire career in education. Here at BookNook, I'm responsible for the learning experiences of our customers as well as our tutors. But prior to that, I have taught from second grade all the way to the college level. But the one thing that I am passionate about and have done through my entire career is grow others. And so that's the reason that brings us all here today. And before we dive into our presentation, I would love to hear who you all are in the chat box. So many of you have said where you're joining in from, but I would love to know what your role in this educational landscape is. So I'll give you just a second to pop that in the chat. Would love to love for you to share where you're joining in from as well as what your role in education is. I've seen so many people joining from all over the US. Always wonderful. Carol from South Carolina where I'm located. Love seeing such uh such a great group here. All right, let's see. We've got literacy coach, second grade teacher, Kelly is a school psychologist. Melinda, tutoring program by the state. Awesome. Christy, office of tutoring services, paraprofessionals, caregivers. Wow. 
So shout out to those literacy coaches. I was a literacy coach for nine years as well. It's a rough job. (laughs) Online instructor. You know, I think, Connie, the thing that I love about our audience today is we've got people literally from all over geographically, but even diverse in what their roles are. Um, When I taught second grade, when I did my parent conferences, I used to always say, all right, parents, let's not sit on opposite sides of the table. Let's pull a seat up and sit together. And that's really how I feel about this group today, where whether it's our teachers or paras or administrators, program directors. um, Wow, even a retired educator. Cheryl, so nice to see you here. Um, we are just so, so, so thrilled and honored that you chose to spend some time with us today. And I think, you know, regardless of what your role in education is, the one thing that binds us together is our desire to see students succeed. They are literally the whole reason that we're here. So, so excited to start our webinar today. Let's go ahead and dive in. So let's see, there we go. We have a little video for you. Right. So if you, <laughs> if you, tell me the truth, are you, uh, did you ever watch uh, Bob Ross before he was a rerun? Oh, yes. And I was just about <laughs> to say, Connie, if they joined, um, hoping for my best Bob Ross impression, sorry, the video is all we've got. <laughs> so, so excited. So you're probably wondering, why are they showing this video? Did I join the wrong webinar? Um Hang with me. You know from our webinar series, we love a good metaphor. We love a good theme. I think that's the educators in us, Connie, right? Um, Last last month, we really laid down the broad strokes. Okay, here I go. Um, Oh, by the way, there are emojis that you can use. So if you want to laugh at our jokes, you can use the (laughs) smiley emoji or the heart emoji, um, the applause emoji. As you guys are sending those um, audience members, we see them on our side. So the courtesy giggle, the Courtesy giggle oh. is always appreciated. Yes, always appreciated when we can't see you. We can just see the chat box. Um, thank you for those of you that are already sending your thumbs up. Love it. So like I mentioned last month in our webinar series, we really laid down those broad strokes of high impact tutoring. So much like the very early stages of a Bob Ross painting, we looked at what those foundational elements are. We discussed why high impact tutoring is needed in general terms. And then we looked at some national statistics and features. Um, Today, we're really going to dive into those happy little details. So just as Bob Ross would add those intricate branches and leaves and happy little clouds (laughs) to bring that painting to life, we're really going to dig in how to make high-impact tutoring uniquely effective for your district. So we're going to get our brushes and our palettes out, and we're going to turn these broad strokes into a detailed masterpiece. 
Awesome. I'm seeing in the chat. I wish it was so easy to create such a masterpiece. Uh, that I, my artistic talents are are very slim, so I am with you on that one. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, today's agenda, as Connie mentioned, the webinar is a series um, where we talk about the successful implementation of high impact tutoring initiatives. But we do it in bite sized easily digestible chunks. And in this installment today, we're going to look at how to use specific data set those targeted goals and secure the buy-in that turns that really, really broad initiative into that finely detailed success story. So if you look here on the screen, you'll see we're going to set that rationale for painting your own masterpiece. We're going to talk about the role of district data in all of the planning and resonating with your unique needs. Then we're going to move on to sketching the goals and the metrics. So this is where we're really going to set that scene and make decisions on how are we going to measure the success, right? And then finally, ah, palette of support. So we're going to secure buy-in. And that securing buy-in is making sure that we've got all the right colors to paint that picture and really complete that masterpiece. So really, really excited for what we've got planned here today. So before we jump in, I would love to know, I know a little bit about where you're joining from, what your role is. If you're joining late, be sure to throw that in the chat for us. But I would love to hear what has been your biggest challenge in implementing high impact tutoring so far. Now, I recognize that there may be, um, I even recognize some of our tutors in our chat box. So maybe it doesn't apply to you. And if that's the case, consider what you've witnessed um, and what challenges you've witnessed with your community. So I'll give you just a second. You'll see finding qualified tutors, budget constraints, getting buy-in from stakeholders, meaning teachers, parents, administrators, or assessing the effectiveness of the program. So we'll wait for just a second. Appreciate all the votes. Then again, if it doesn't apply to you, you can select the option that closely aligns with what you see in your local community. All right. So, Connie, I'm not sure if you're seeing what I'm seeing, but overwhelming assessing the effectiveness of the program. But I would say a pretty close yeah. second, finding qualified tutors. I know this is something you and I talk a lot about. You know, our communities are already struggling with resources, bandwidth, staffing. I know in my local South Carolina school districts, we're struggling to even find teachers, let alone subs or instructional support. Um, so I'm really excited when we get to that section of our presentation to talk about. Yeah, how I think it's everywhere, Sammy. I think it's everywhere right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's and true. then I I don't want to. Um, I don't want to ignore budget constraints. We we have some uh, tips for that as well too. And then buy in. Yeah, appreciate those of you that selected that because truthfully, I mean, you've got to have that buy in in order to make that impact, which we're going to talk a little bit more. So thank you so much to everyone for sharing um, what these challenges are right now. We really, really appreciate it. All right. So we've talked a little bit about what those challenges are. And now let's talk through why high impact tutoring or HIT, you might might hear that acronym or read that acronym, really, really matters in the grand scheme of education. And just like any good artist, <laughs> we've got to bring our own unique touch to it, right? So it's not enough to just have that sketch or have that outline of what high impact tutoring is. High impact tutoring is a well-researched model that's proven to have those significant benefits 
But only if we follow what the research tells us works. And Connie, you know my thoughts on data. We've got to look at it, but we've got to use it as well, too. So the idea here is to really make high-impact tutoring not just effective, but specifically effective for your community. So this really reminds me, again, going back to my classroom days, of adjusting my lessons based on the needs of my students and truly meeting them where they are. That's what it's all about, right? So, Absolutely. Um, Differentiating the lessons is really so important, Sammy. Yeah, yeah. And but, you know, Connie, when I think about differentiating lessons um, and all of the different learners and all of the different backgrounds and all of the different needs, that feels overwhelming. Right. And I'm sure that those in our audience that are looking at high impact tutoring could feel the same way or that resonates with them. And so we've got to figure out where do we start? And honestly, we start where we know we should start the data. <laughs> Always the data, right? So when we look at the data, you'll see on the screen just some information. Um, it is no surprise to anyone who's sitting here in this webinar what the data says about reading, right? We can look at this data. We know we've got all kinds of challenges. We've already talked about staffing challenges, but when it comes to reading proficiency, we've got everything from unfinished learning, um, especially students in marginalized communities. We talk about that unfinished learning caused by the pandemic um, really disproportionately affecting these students. And what happens? That equity gap gets wider and wider and wider. And on the screen, you'll see the, the latest NAE data, which is the National Association of Educational Progress, that data reveals a decline in reading proficiency among fourth and eighth graders. Here's, here's the bone chilling part. In almost every state and across all demographics for the first time in almost two decades. Like, uh, so yeah. what do we do about that? I mean, what do we do about that? Let's let's hang on to that thought. But looking at this data, you know, we look at things from a really, really broad lens across education, across the nation. But really, we want to start looking at what is your rationale and what is your data in the local community? It goes back to that idea of really meeting your students where they are. And that comes that comes down to school and district leadership as well, too. So you'll see here um, that with those strong schools and those strong educators, they're always looking for the data first. Like I said, <laughs> this case is no exception. We want to begin this whole initiative by understanding what our schools and our students need. Right. So we turn to that data. So what kind of data do schools have that could help them understand those needs better? So I think through the obvious things, those state assessments, um, maybe it's a summative assessment that shows that snapshot of mastery for students, um, that expected level of complexity. But before I open a can of worms there, Connie, we know <laughs> that those single day assessments do not tell the whole part of a painting for students, right? Can I, can I get some applause there, audience? <laughs> so don't stop there, right? We want to couple that data with local assessments. So things like unit assessments, thank you, um, and curriculum assessments. You can really gather a lot of information from those as well, too. So 
really then taking it a step farther. Don't just look at the district level, campus level, grade level, but dig down into that data to fully understand what those needs are and what exactly is happening. You could even look at the data, I think, standard by standard um, across multiple different assessments. Again, not looking at that one day, one test type of assessment and really looking through the micro data that we've got. So maybe that's formative assessments, checks for understanding, anecdotal notes that those teachers are logging during instruction. I think through my old binders of notes during small group instruction, all of that makes a huge difference. And when you put them all together, I feel like it paints this large picture of your students more so than just looking at one piece of assessment data. So we know what type of data we're looking for, but what with that data are we really digging into? Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> as you're as you're looking at your data, you know, just as you said, you have to dig deep. Like, for example, into specific skills. Look at where students are breaking down, maybe in depth of knowledge. You know, you got to check for skills gaps, Sammy, that might be looking significant, but over time they're going to create like a snowball effect, right? Um, we're going to talk about um, that in the next slide as well. In fact. Um, I'll give you a, a quick story of an example that I had in my own experiences in education. Yes. Um, you want to check into your tier one instruction, your tier two, your tier three intervention data. I mean, all of it. Pay close attention to the rate of tier two exits. You know, these can tell you kind of the drying time, so to speak, or how long it takes for our improvement efforts to set in. Uh, you want to cross-reference your data for a fuller picture. You know, you can, um, you, there are a lot of different hidden colors and layers that help paint that picture. Ask yourselves, first of all, what those variables might be, and then also how they may be affecting the overall look. Think class size. I mean, those are some things that you never even really think about. Think experience of the teacher. Think through things that we know can impact success from the school side. Next, we want to look at the variables that are outside of instruction. Now, I immediately think of things like attendance and behavior. Mm -hmm. I mean, gosh, Sammy, <laughs> poor, attendance <laughs> can pay, you know, poor attendance can be a symptom of low engagement. Um, poor behavior um, in, in classroom might be masking an academic challenge. Have you ever had students like that? Oh, yes. And, you know, you really have to look at that whole lens. That's actually something I popped in the in the chat, Connie. Um, I'd love to hear those that are the boots on the ground, the classroom teachers, the instructional coaches, the administrators. Um, we'd love to hear what are some of your favorite pieces of data that really tell that story of your students and where they are? Yes. Yeah. You know, looking at all all different kinds of data, it really just adds the depth to our understanding. And it can mm -hmm. also cast shadows on student performance as well. And yeah. I said all this to say, rip that data apart and look at it in as many different angles as you can to really fully inspect and find the gaps and find it at its source, you know? Um, let me give you just a quick story, a quick example of what I mean, okay? Um, in a previous role, as I mentioned earlier, I was an instructional coach um, here in Texas, and I was facing a significant challenge um, in our data. While our students were performing 
reasonably well in reading. Their writing skills on the fourth grade state exams, Sammy, they were literally tanking. <laughs> you know, they were literally tanking. And so we were in trouble. And um, so our vertical teams, you know, I got some, uh, you know, teams, uh, vertical teams together, and we decided to just really dig in and investigate the root cause of the issue. And mm. when we re uh, reviewed those returned assessments, what we noticed is a recurring problem. And it was something as simple as spelling. Now, mm. Sammy, I know that spelling is not by any means the end all be all. But it was one tangible thing that we could really wrap our hands around. And, you yeah. know, while we tackled some of those other broad issues, idea development, writer's craft, you know, while the other aspects like organization, idea generation, writing fluency, they did affect performance. Spelling stood out as one glaring culprit that we could just really track pretty mm -hmm. easily you know, and it might serve as a quick fix that we could, you know, work on while we were developing other skills. Right. And so what we were seeing was that students were struggling to articulate their ideas effectively because they were just so they were, you know, they had no fluency. They were hitting speed bump after speed bump after speed bump, trying to work through their writing because of spelling. Uh, it was leading to a loss of confidence in their writing abilities. So. We, we started there and upon further investigation, we started tracing back into the previous grade levels and we realized in our district spelling instruction wasn't really the primary concern. Hmm. We found something really enlightening. Here's hmm. where it gets interesting. <laughs> our kindergarten and first grade students, they generally showed this really strong phonological awareness except for one noticeable gap in segmenting skills. Mm. Just this one slight little deficiency. It wasn't alarming on its own, right? But it right. began, like I mentioned before, this snowball effect, right? The small lack of proficiency in segmenting skills led to minor spelling issues, which then just compounded into mm. a really significant writing problem in fourth grade as the, the complexity increased, you know? And they were really keeping students from getting their ideas across on paper during state assessments by the time they hit fourth grade. So when we identified the bottleneck, we were able to, you know, re what we do, we reevaluate our instructional materials, we tailor <laughs> our learning strategies, we adjusted our implementation styles, you know, we wanted to improve those foundational skills that affect later academic performance. You know, this is just one strong lesson in the importance of early intervention. And it's also a strong lesson in the interconnectedness of reading and writing skills that, you know, form that academic success. So how does this even play into high impact tutoring at all, Sammy? Well, this <laughs> is just, you know, this just use this example in respect to, to hit if if I were a decision maker and I fully understood the data that I just explained to you, then I wouldn't just blanket over, you know, sprinkle over the top. Oh, we're struggling and, you know, we need some high impact tutoring. Let's spend some money. Right. No, I would target that high impact tutoring initiative into the early grades primarily. Uh, and then that gives me more opportunity to use my funds in a more focused way. You know, maybe now I can reach more students rather than blanketing it and sprinkling it over the top over lots of grade levels. 
I can target maybe just two or three grade levels at the early grades where phonological awareness is taking place. I can reach more students in those grade levels or I could lower the student to tutor ratio or mm -hmm. I can implement more times a week. I get really more bang for my buck. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That And Connie, that is such a perfect example um, of just how when you identify the root of that problem, it can exactly be a snowball effect um, that you guys saw grade level after grade level after grade level. And so it's really going back to that data, like we mentioned, again, data, always the data points yes. us back to what those students really need and where the root cause of that problem is. Because you're exactly right. We can look at the problem and say, all right, well, let's try the tier one. Let's try tier two. But uh, if we're not really digging into why that's taking place, um, you know, it's kind of, kind of a, moot, a point. And so one of the things that I think through when it comes to data and um, just really looking through the rationale for what we do next, I think back to the lessons that I used to teach with um, pre-service teachers. And I used to say to them, uh, data collection is pointless unless you're actually going to use it, right? So it's not that box to check, but you want to gather the data to actually change things and behaviors. So um, it might be that when you dig in, you find your instruction for tier one is lacking. And honestly, Connie, that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't need high impact tutoring to turn things right. around. But it might indicate an additional step that you can take. So just like that high impact tutoring, it's not going to fix the problem if tier one instruction isn't on point, right? If tier one instruction or your curriculum that you've been using is part of the problem, you're just going to continue to have more students over time who need that small group intervention. Exactly. Um, so we want to be, be really certain that whole group instruction time is being used in a way that meets all student needs. And something else that I think through is not biting off more than you can chew. So <laughs> I think through, oh, we've got a problem with reading. Let's solve the problem with reading. But we really want to be targeted. We want to look at one content area. We want to think through things with that broad initiative. But we really want to be achieve. We want our goals to be achievable. We want to be able to track those results. Um, and I, I honestly, my first thought comes to reading intervention. Um, I think through what you mentioned, that reading intervention and your snowball effect that took place. I'm sure if there are math educators in here, um, I remember seeing that there was an AP educator in here. Those educators will tell you it doesn't matter if it's math. It doesn't matter if it's science. If the students can't read right? That affects everything. There's that bumper sticker that I love calling out, um, the bumper sticker that says, if you can read this, thank a teacher, because truly you've got to be able to read, to be able to do all of those other subjects, Absolutely. to be able to, you know, access all of the curriculum, to be able to go whatever career path we're, you know, setting up for our students. It starts with reading and where, where those needs are and who's in need. That's where the data really, really brings us back to our rationale. If we've got that strong rationale, um, it's going to increase if we have buy-in with teachers, funding sources, and even the broader community. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but it really, really just comes back to understanding what that why is. Okay, we know the students are the why, but then how do we fine tune that even more?
Sammy, you're, I can see from the responses, the emoji responses are flying <laughs> through right now. So you got a lot of support with that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. And I actually just want to call out the chat really quickly. Um, I, I missed this earlier. Sorry, Melody. Um, Melody mentioned my favorite assessments are when I can do face-to-face, -face, paper, pencil, one-on-one -on -one assessments. You get to see how they're processing and their approach. Oh my goodness, Melody, that is gold. I think through, um, you know, having to be able to justify how you came to an answer in math when we're talking about reading, looking through why are they reading the way that they are? How are they decoding those words? Um, to figure out, like Connie mentioned, what some of those um, mistakes may be. And let's see what else. Um, can hear their actual reading and follow their flow. It's not easy to get these things done with a whole class setting. But when I can learn, I do so much more on how to help a student. Melody, I love this because I can absolutely empathize with that. I remember being the second grade teacher and you know that that individual time with students, that small group time with students can drive so much information towards your instruction, but you're exactly right. There's, there's not enough time. You've got a full plate. You've got so many other things, um, which is why high impact tutoring can really make all of the difference. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think you really hit the nail on the head there um, with, with thinking through what our challenges are. And then we, we know what's best for kiddos, right? But how do we do that with limited capacity and support? How can we utilize resources in a way that are really going to impact those student learning outcomes? So let's move on to kind of our goal setting and our metrics. So this kind of goes along with what we were saying earlier, but Bob Ross, <laughs> Bob Ross says, in painting, you have unlimited power. You have the ability to move mountains. And you know, when I think about education, friends, that's when I get the chill bumps. That's what lights my passion in the morning. We have the power to change lives. We know that if we focus on that reading instruction, it drives everything else in their life Oh my goodness, profound, right? And so it's figuring out that crucial, crucial step um, and the process. It lies in starting with those strong goal setting and those metrics. And honestly, the more intentional we are with that step, the more successful those final results are going to be. So we've got to figure out what it is we're aiming for. What do we even want the picture to look like in order to make those calculated decisions? Each one is going to bring our students closer to success. Um, and when we look at metrics and how essential they are to gauging the effectiveness of high impact tutoring, it makes all the difference. And so next we'll talk about how we can set those goals and use those key performance indicators to really, really set that strong foundation. Now, um, in any high-impact tutoring initiative, we want to make sure we set those clear goals, right? We know that across all areas of, of business and education and life, we've got to set clear goals. That is crucial for success. Um, one framework, which you may or may not have heard of, is SMART goals. And it's an acronym that stands, you'll see on the screen, for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, relevant and time bound. And honestly, you can apply this smart model to so many things across business, education, and honestly, even life. So let's start with specific. We want to make sure that goal um, addresses that precise area for improvement. So instead of having the visionary looking at the clouds, we really want to improve reading. Let's make that a little bit more specific, a little bit more targeted. Instead, maybe we want to improve reading scores specifically for third grade students 
that are currently performing below learning standards, right? Do you see the difference? We're starting to choose a goal that is, (laughs) letter M, measurable. By tracking that progress, those goals really become quantifiable. So then we add in, all right, so we want to see the reading scores of those third grade students increase by 15%. Throw out a number over the next academic year. And then achievable. And I think that this is really, really important, Connie, because those goals have to be realistic, right? Given we've got to consider all the things you mentioned resources, constraints, attendance, behavior, all the things. And so then we've got to ask ourselves, is a 15% increase achievable with our current resources and staffing and instructional materials? So really making sure that we've got that A, that achievable. And then relevant. We want to make sure that the goal aligns with the broader district priorities. So really thinking through like, what is my district's mission and focus? And really, honestly, Connie, taking that a step farther and thinking about state level um, goals and initiatives. And then time bound. I don't know if you're like me. I have lots of goals and visions, but without a deadline, there's no accountability, right? So we've got to set that deadline, like achieve the 15% increase by the end of the next academic year or by the end of the quarter. But having that deadline then gives you the opportunity to make a plan for analyzing that data as it comes along really, really looking through the lens and making sure that our goals follow this model. So with those SMART goals in place, it's really, really critical to articulate, again, what are we aiming for to achieve having those goals? So we know that they should be highly student-centered because like I said, the end of the day, the success of the program is measured by what we're all here for, impact on students right? So those four areas of goal setting targets, um, you'll see student achievement, student growth, student confidence, and teacher efficacy. So with those student achievements, honestly, the most immediate goal is improving, like we said, those academic metrics. So maybe we're talking about reading scores um, or levels or anything like that. And so we want to make sure that our achievement also includes mastery of specific standards or skills. This goes back to um, our little soapbox about not just the test scores and not just that one day of learning, right? We want to make sure that we're measuring mastery of those state standards or skills um, that are going to be so important to that reading foundation. Um, We want to make sure we're we're creating well-rounded learners um, who can apply that knowledge in various contexts. So they can take that reading instruction that knowledge that they've learned and apply it to math, apply it to science, apply it to other settings. Um, And then honestly, student growth. And I think that this is a a different lens to look through things as well too, Connie, like beyond just looking through scores and grades, we want to look at for continuous improvement. So maybe that student is, you know, maybe they are behind grade level. But are they growing? Are they improving? What does the measure of that look like? Are they engaged? Do they have that passion for reading and learning back? Are they advancing at a pace similar to they should be? What does even that growth measure look like, um, you know, from beginning to end, not just those achievements? And then confidence. Y'all, that academic success is often closely, closely tied to that student just believing in their own abilities, right? So one of the the targets 
alongside achievements and growth is to build that confidence. Because guess what? That confidence student, they're going to want to raise that hand. They're not going to be afraid to make mistakes um, and invest in their own learning. I think back to my own small group table, Connie, and my students sitting around. And when they would make an error in reading, us laughing about it and saying, all right, well, let's, let's dive deeper. Let's look at the word. And just not being afraid to make those mistakes is huge. We've all heard the stories of reluctant learners, of, you know, students that say they don't like to read or they don't like school. So just honestly lighting that fire again can make all the difference. And then that kind of brings us to our next category which I am really passionate about just with the work that I've done around preparing educators. Um, What we've talked about so far has been student-centered, but we can't ignore the efficacy of our educators because those teachers play that crucial role in student success, right? They're the difference makers. And that more effective teacher is going to be able to elevate the student's achievements and growth and confidence, right? So tracking the teacher efficacy really, really becomes that extra layer and indicator of program success. I'm going to pause for just a second so I don't miss the chat earlier. It was great having a student who needed reading assistance to start confidently reading aloud with like, oh, Renee, I'm a crier. I'm going to start to cry. I mean, that's That is everything. And Renee, when I think about that, that student that you're talking about finally having the confidence to read and not just confidence, but I think I think the last word in your message is is probably my favorite. The excitement. I used to say that if I to be a great educator, you must inspire your students to go and learn more when they leave your classroom door right? And that's a tall task to figure out how to light that fire and light that passion when there are so many challenges and odds stacked against them. So props to you, Renee. That's that's incredible. Thank you for sharing. So by focusing on those four pillars and those four goals, we really ensure this holistic approach to high impact tutoring. And it benefits, Connie, I mean, think, think of the snowball, not just in the growth, but even it impacts the students. It impacts the tutors, which impacts the school, which impacts the community. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have chill bumps thinking about that impact. Absolutely. You know, it is. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, Sammy, when you were talking about specifically about teacher efficacy is, you know, Whenever you're you're coming in and and working with, uh, for example, um, you know outside tutors, you know like a, a tutoring um, support service like Booknook, for example, it allows teachers that additional support and that additional resource that, that gives them more bandwidth, you know, really to just target and focus their own instruction. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, Connie, I I sit in front of our, our BookNook customers day in and day out, public school teachers who, just like Melody from the chat box, say, I know that what they need is more individualized instruction. I know what they need is that small group support. But my plate's full. I'm overwhelmed. I have so many other things. I don't have the time. Right. And so high impact tutoring really is one way to give give those classroom teachers a little bit of their time back and 
we take care of that instruction and the data, which then can improve the classroom teacher's instruction. So it's a really beautiful thing when we are able to support schools, districts, organizations in what they're already doing. We know that's best practices for high impact tutoring. It's not meant to replace what's happening. It is a supplement that honestly impacts everyone, the students, as well as the educators as well, too. So such a huge game changer for everyone that's involved. So let's come down to the full palette. So money, support, funding, right? We need more than just one color on the palette. All right. We can't ignore the fact that this takes resources, okay? The colors of our palette are our support and our funding sources. So we know that we've got ESSER funds. Everybody has heard about these ESSER funds, but what we're starting to hear is those states adding their own hues, if you will, really recognizing that a well-funded high-impact tutoring initiative, it's not canvas for student success. So those districts and those states really thinking through how to diversify the palette by getting creative and really resourceful on what federal funds are out there, but additionally, what state level funds are out there. And let's really paint this brighter future um, for our students. Now, you'll see on the screen that since March of 2020, states have received a whopping 189.5 billion. Wow. <laughs> wow. Let me just say, let me say those numbers again. 189.5, not million, billion across yeah. three rounds of ESSER funding. But here's, here's the crazy part, Connie. By the end of May of, of this year, earlier this year, 2023, on average, only or just under about 55% of these funds have been used. So hold wow. on a minute, right? I'm seeing, I'm seeing some thumbs down, right? <laughs> We're all of us here at the table in this webinar, we know what it takes to make this student success happen. We need the resources. The resources are there. What do right. we do? Yeah. Um, that is a, I don't even know that generous covers it. That is a very generous amount of money. Um, and uh, honestly, even more so, there's more on the way and more support on the way. And I can't, can't wait to share um, this next piece. So I remember in the poll question that we did earlier, Connie, I, I want to call, call back to that, that f securing funding was a big, um, a big area, a big challenge that some people here in our chat are experiencing right now. So we're seeing those national funds, right? But um, we're getting that national track traction, particularly, again, focused around that ESSER funding. But what those here in the chat and those listening may find encouraging is that it is not just a national trend. We're also talking about high-impact tutoring being recognized and supported at the state level, which is really, really exciting. So take a look at some of these headlines on the screen from across the country. So for example, I'm going to use my best news reporter voice. State governor allocates millions for school tutoring programs. Lawmakers pass bill to fund high-impact tutoring. State Department of Education commits to high-impact tutoring. So 
what does this mean? Um, these headlines are not just feel-good news stories, but to me, Connie, they really, really signal a shift in priorities. Yeah, yes, they do. You know, states really are finally recognizing this really the crucial role that high-impact tutoring can play in closing up those learning gaps for kids. Finally, that's wonderful. It's exciting. Yeah, so, so true. And and when we think about those funding sources, they serve as vital supplements to that national funding. So we've got those ESSER national funds, we've got the state level funds, and that really gives districts, schools, more financial capacity to not only develop, but sustain these tutoring initiatives once they get rolling. It's not about just doing it and launching it and finishing it, but making this a model that can truly be sustained. So if those of you joining in are concerned about securing significant funding for your high impact tutoring program, know that honestly, the odds are increasingly in your favor. So make sure that you're up to date on state news and grants and initiatives that could support the program that we know our students need need and that we know works, right? The landscape's changing. And those headlines um, on the side really, really prove now is the opportune time to act. So if um, users are staying informed and proactive, they can really tap into those resources and again, provide the students with that tailored melody, <laughs> that high quality small group instruction that, I mean, let alone we know the impact that it can make. But let's just pause for a second. They deserve it, right? Those students deserve it. And so really thinking through how can we get creative in finding those sources of funds. And all right, so let's let's kind of talk about this extra lens of buy-in. So we know that any successful high-impact tutoring initiative is founded in the cornerstone of communication. So you've, you've probably heard information is power, but in our case, Communication is buy-in. Communication literally equals that buy-in. So when we think about this communication checklist, it's essentially that roadmap for keeping all stakeholders informed. We want to make sure that teachers are regularly updated. Those of you joining in, chime in in the chat. Administrators, students, the community, they want to know about the goals, the data trends, what impact is being made. That transparent communication is what gets everybody on the same page. Going back to my metaphor earlier, all sitting on the same side of the table, right? And that's going to lead to a smoother implementation. We also think through key players and funding. So one of the best ways to secure that support is be transparent. How are you going to use that funding? So it not only reassures those writing the checks, but it also builds trust within the community that tax dollars are being used for the direct benefit of students. Can always use a little more of that, right? You and did. then <laughs> circling that bandwagon with teachers. So really thinking through making sure the teaching staff are well informed. Teachers, I can speak from my own experience. Those that are here in the chat can chime in. Um, teachers appreciate knowing what's the why. What's the what and the how? And knowing all of those pieces really, really help to support the initiative. I think back to my second graders, Connie, and I think through, those are my babies. You know, I would want to know who is this that's coming on on the other side and tutoring. Um, and honestly, that's one of my favorite parts in our messaging with the training that I get to do with our customers is telling those public school teachers, listen, 
I know the tutors that are sitting on the other side of the screen. As a former educator, as a mother, that communication, that trust, that buy-in, that transparent communication, literally everything. So student voice. Student voice matters. So we all know that uh, kiddos are the best ambassadors for educational programs because think about it. If they are excited for high impact tutoring and they, you know, see the benefits, they're going to become advocates themselves. So I think through that student that's saying, mom, we've got to go to the parent meeting tonight. They're going to talk about my reading and they're going to talk about my tutor. Um, how awesome to even have that buy-in on the student level. I mean, that is just so powerful. Connie, I got to sit on, on a tutoring session last week and the student said, oh my goodness, I don't want to leave my tutor. And that's oh. everything. Right. And I imagine the conversations that are going on at home between that child and the parent and what that buy in is even looking like from a community standpoint. So um, that leads me to that next point family and community outreach. So once we've got those students that are so excited, really extending that circle of communication to parents and that broader community, because it builds that network of support. If families and communicators know about the progress of the initiative, there's going to be greater acceptance, higher attendance, better engagement. When everyone sees the value, again, we're all sitting on the same side of the table. And honestly, the more comprehensive and open that communication strategy is, the smoother it's going to go and the more buy-in that you're going to get from all corners. I think back to my time, you know, as a, as a coach for the district and buy-in was the place that I started because we've got to make sure that we see we're all on the same, they were all on the same team, the educators, the administrators, the tutors, the students, literally we are all here for the same reason. So just reminding us of that why and binding us together. Love it. All right. So as we kind of get towards the end of this webinar, I want to take a moment to reflect on just the progress that we've made, the small victories we've had. We know that with any masterpiece, um, it's those happy little trees that bring the painting to life. Um, I would love for our attendees, if they're able, to click on the attendee chat and share what is a happy little tree a win that you've had, whether it's in your district or your um, state or your school, or maybe just your classroom. Maybe if you're a tutor joining in your tutoring lesson, um, we would absolutely love to hear. Have you had a breakthrough of student engagement? Um, you know, that student we talked about earlier that all of a sudden is fired up to learn? Um, is it Has it been a successful rollout? Maybe some, you know, new instructional materials that's gone really, really well? Or my personal favorite, Connie, <laughs> uplifting story of maybe a single student's progress. Tell us, tell us a happy little treat. Let's kind of end on this note. What's one thing that's happened? In, it, says, it says in your district, but honestly, in your school, in your classroom, in your own, you know, small group reading table. Tell us, What's a happy little tree that you've had so far? I think of Bob Ross saying, there are no mistakes, just happy accidents, <laughs> because literally <laughs> every single win, it doesn't matter how small, it really contributes to that larger picture of what we're trying to accomplish. All right, I'm going to pause there, Connie. I'm, I'm seeing some that I want to make sure we call out. Um, 
let's see. It was great having a student who needed reading assistance start reading confidently. Oh, that's the one from before. <laughs> Sorry, I'm ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> learning from individual tutoring, what would help my whole classroom instruction? Yes, Denise. Mm, that. And that's, that's the piece that I think is often a misconception, Connie. People think, oh, the tutoring is something that, you know, the classroom teachers, they just get the students signed on and it's just something that they do for 30 minutes. But really, that data can drive instruction and it takes an extra thing off those classroom teachers' plates. That's how I start my training. Understand that what we have, our solution, especially here at Booknook, with high-impact tutoring, it's all the difference maker and it lessens the load, not not one more thing on the to-do list. Absolutely. It's, um, it's also awesome, the, the opportunity to have, um, a, you know, a little bit of, you know, our tutors can make notes in, uh, you know, after the lesson so that to help keep the teacher informed as well, which is awesome. Yeah, hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about bringing that up, but you're exactly right, Connie. Like those tutors really having that instruction um, feedback loop, it's it really drives that classroom teacher's um, work and their instruction and everything they're trying to do with those overwhelming plates forward. I mean, so powerful. So um, with that, Connie, I will would love, love, love to turn it over to you. Looks like we may still have a few popping in, popping in the chat, but awesome. can't. Can't wait to uh, read more of these stories and these happy little trees so far. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Sammy. Guys, if if you need support um, to take your high-impact tutoring initiative from good to great, we would just love for you to consider partnering with BookNook. I mean, picture this. Quality tutors, perfectly matched and scheduled, armed with engaging lessons, steeped in evidence-based practices. Now, combine this with the power of technology making tutoring flexible, scalable, interactive, that's BookNook. It's not just about replacing in-house magic you've cultivated. No way. It's enhancing it, giving your students an experience that both is enriching as well as effective. Our tutors aren't just homework help, as I mentioned before. They provide true instructional support from they form relationships with students, you know, meetings week after week, session after session with the same group of students. The overwhelming majority of our tutors are degree professionals with classroom experience. The, uh, in, the addition of our tutors' academic coaching um, is all what's already being done in the classroom, in the physical classroom. It really provides that recipe for success. Having that additional caring adult could be the difference maker for your students. Now on your screen, again, you're going to see that QR code one more time. It's going to take you to the resource page where you can find even more valuable information to continue painting your own high impact tutoring masterpiece. From there, for those of you who are interested in learning more about BookNook, just simply click on the BookNook logo on the, on the website to learn more about our high dosage tutoring services and our solution to, uh, with our online learning platform. And finally, let's stay connected. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, or what is it now? X? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> LinkedIn, uh, you know, just to get the latest updates on high impact tutoring, what's going on with us, and to really stay in the loop about um, our upcoming webinars and events. As I want you to just thank you so much for joining us today. We, we look forward to guiding you in the next steps of creating your own educational masterpiece. And thank you, Sammy. 
Absolutely. Thank you all so much for being here. I have loved reading the chat. Um, those of you, I just read a comment, Connie, that I want to call out for a second. Someone said this gave me a lot to think about. Well, Renee, okay. let's continue that conversation. We we are here to talk through what your needs are. Um, really, really appreciate you all being here. We know those plates are full. We know there are so many things that you could have been doing with this hour of your time, but just so appreciate you sharing the space with us. And again, um, at the end of the day, you know, we're all rallying behind what we know is best for our students um, and high impact tutoring, you know, can be all the difference maker. So we appreciate you being here. Appreciate you um, joining our conversation and look forward to continuing that conversation in the future. Thanks again. Bye, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this EdWeb podcast. If you'd like to receive a CE certificate, you must watch the video recording. Recordings and quizzes can be found in the EdWebinar archives please visit home.edweb.net slash podcasts for more information.